Well, what a way to start Community Connect here with Greg McHenry today here on OCR FM 98.3 and 88.7 FM along the coast, where we are streaming live at all the wsocrfm.org.au. And that was a track that was chosen by my guest in the studio today, and it was, well, I've got to look it up because I don't know any of the music she's chosen today. And <laughs> it was called Every Day's the Weekend, and it was by Alex Lay. And what a way to start. We're really rocking and rolling here. Uh, before we get going, though, and I'll, before I introduce my guest, I'd like to pay my respect to and acknowledge the Gulijan people who are the custodians of the land we're on today, as well as the Gadabanud who are along the coast. I'd also like to pay my respects to the elders past, present and emerging. And it's a, a, a well, it's a one-person show today. Ed's a bit crook, so she's not in with me. So it's just myself and my guest. And I really am cold getting down here today, but we've got the heater going again, would you believe? But before we get going, my thoughts, are, and a lot of people's thoughts, are with those involved in the fires in New South Wales, Queensland and that sort of thing. And but just a reminder that, you know, it's not all that long ago that we've had terrible fires through here as well. So I just hope everyone out there is doing their preparation, cleaning up, clearing up, and just being ready just in case. Let's hope it doesn't happen, but... Yeah, just in case, be prepared. Well, today's guest is, she's a regional youth affairs consultant with Batforce, and her name's Lee Bartland. She just got off the road coming through the 40Ks and the 80Ks and the, everything else. Lee, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. You are? Great to be here, yeah. Well, what was the drive like, a bit of a... It's not too bad, because I come over from Torquay, so I go the back way, but it's, uh, yeah, it's not too, it's always an adventure. Always. Always an adventure. Yeah. Now, you've been around Batforce for a long time. What is Batforce for a starter? What's Batforce? Batforce sort of started back in that, and you pointed out to me this morning, it's very close to having its 40th anniversary in Which a couple means, of days. Yeah, so that means you've got to ring someone up about it. Yeah, I'll probably it? need to get something sorted. I haven't bought any tinsel. Um, yeah, so Batforce started back in the late 70s, and it really was creating a space for youth agencies to come together and share their toys. Um, come together and talk about what the issues are, but also provide each other with collegiate support. Over the years, government's changed, everything's changed, and so the the role of Batforce has changed a lot in that time too. So the probably the more modern version of Batforce is is working with agencies still to to work together collaborative because we're all working with the same young people in the same community. So it's really important that we're sharing the same language. But I suppose the biggest shift happened for us probably in the mid-90s when we started connecting a lot more with schools. The youth agencies and schools used to be very separate. So they've been brought together a lot more now and a lot of our work is done working directly with schools around young people and families. Right, now you're going to tell us how why BAT, why bat force? Because it sounds like a bit of a weirdo, you know, Batman. I kind of like it. I drive the bat car and I live in the bat cave and and (laughs) I go out and talk in schools and the kids think that's all very exciting. It's Barwon Adolescent Task Force, which is where the bat comes from. And, you know, back in the day, we we had a separate arm which used to sit down here, which was called Cat Force. So the Cat Cat Force meeting would be once a month on a Thursday night, which was the Colac Adolescent Task Force. Okay, but you're still very active here in the the Colac area. Yeah, and the, the work that's happening in Colac is a little bit more it's it's far more collaborative now there's a lot of bigger organizations coming into the space so there's a group called the SACT 
which the schools and community agencies working together. So oh, gee, I love your acronyms. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a day out just learning the acronyms. I really feel for anyone new to the sector, <laughs> um, and that that's made up of for groups like Colac Area Health, the LEN, and other groups who provide support for young people in the region as well. So it's about drawing those groups and bringing them together. Um, we don't want to all go to meet. Nobody likes going to too many meetings. So if we can join things together and have a common goal, I think it works better for everybody. Well, there's, one of the people who came to mind, and he's, I think you'd know him and you remember him, Shane Murphy. Murph, yep. Murph, because back 40 years ago, which is where you're talking about now, and even before that, because there was a lot of stuff going on. It was trying to keep kids on the straight and narrow. Yeah. Or children. I shouldn't, you shouldn't call them kids, or should be. But keeping on the straight and narrow, keeping them out of Tiranas and yep. places like that and having them um, redirect if they're in je- jeopardy on justice and all that sort of thing, or their schooling's a little bit different needs. And yeah, that. and Murph certainly said, um, Shane set up Baser back about the same time that Batforce set up. I think they're probably around the same age, few, yeah. maybe a few years different. And it was very much working with that really pointy and vulnerable young people. And, you know, I kind of call them kids sometimes because they're all somebody's kid, and yeah, we forget are. that sometimes. I think the big difference was back in the old days when we sort of started doing this work, we'd take the young person out of environment, try and fix them as such and put them back. You know, The reality is that their families are their, their first port of call. We've got to work with their whole community and their whole family. There's a word which I, I often steal from the Maori language called whānau because I think it's a word we don't really have a word that means the same thing. And that's if you speak to a young person, it's the people in their lives who are important to them. That's their whānau or their whānu. And and I think we're getting better at saying to young people, you know, who are the people who are important to you and who do we need to include in the conversation? Whereas originally we, we were working in a slightly different model where we just try and fix a young person. One of the other things, we didn't really know what we were fixing either. No, and, you know, all children are born with best intentions and through different reasons there's different vulnerabilities and you know our job is to you know there's a lot of young people out there who may be out of school or, or may have vulnerabilities so all shows show incredible resilience and we don't always measure resilience with the best measures but you know if a kid can fend for themselves and get themselves to and from places that shows a lot of resilience um, given my boys can't even put shoes away most of the time. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, how old are they, though? In 1921, yeah, yeah, 24, they, yeah. they don't learn. Yeah, <laughs> they do. Winter tells me <laughs> off every now and then because I leave mine lying around. I used to put stuff in a box when they were little and they could pay to get stuff out if they needed it. So oh, no. that worked for a while. <laughs> Gave me some spending money. Oh, um, then they'd ask to borrow a dollar and come back and get their shoes out. Didn't work that well. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, sorry, I've forgotten the question yeah, now. We've, we've digressed. Yeah, we haven't we just got it, to, got it anywhere <laughs> as to how it goes. One thing that made me think about the difference in uh, people's education but uh, on how children are so different. And Absolutely. No, and one thing that comes to mind with me, and it's because some, in one way it's a little bit close to home, we know people, with phasity, the fetal uh, alcohol, alcohol syndrome. syndrome. Yeah. That, um, that was that is and has been quite a problem in the past, but it was never really recognised as that. So the onus is on the family. So yes, we were talking about putting the onus back on the family as well. Well, if we look back at extent. the '60s and '70s, the amount of people who drank through pregnancy, yet smoking. we don't, and smoking through pregnancy, and I, I think the amount of alcohol that was drunk in the '70s is, is far greater than what we'd see today. The reality is, we would have been dealing with issues like fetal alcohol syndrome for all that time. I think the biggest change has been that 
for those kids that didn't quite fit in the school, and I'm not, I'm said it around the wrong way again. If the school system doesn't quite fit all young people, we know that it's still very much based on the industrial re- revolution sort of model. Is that those kids used to drop off and find manual labour jobs? Those jobs simply don't exist at the moment. So even people looking for apprentices are looking for VCE students. So there's a whole other layer of anxiety. If you're a young person that school's not the right answer for you or you've got some learning difficulties which make school a challenge the way it's set up or you've got those other things which, which stop you from learning, then... There's no plan B anymore. There's no go out and work for your uncle or, or, or get a job doing something else. We need to find better ways of creating better opportunities for education for young people. Well, see, there are also part of it is demeaning as well in that some people with, with autism who are on the on a uh, marginal area, they still get put into a, a you know a work type situation that is well below what they're capable of because they're not given the chance to be absolutely put in a higher level and, and autism is a neurological disorder it's, it's mm. slightly different again and there's a lot of you know we've had a lot of famous great contributors to the world who who are autistic you know it's just a different way of thinking and, yeah. and i um I, I love working with autistic kids because they see the world through such an amazing lens and often will give you an answer that you really hadn't even seen and i, I really like that I think we just need to look at having different systems and actually working with young people. And it's, it's interesting to say job match is something I'd really like to talk about. And I yeah. think Colac's doing some great work with Grow and, and some of the other projects that they're doing down here. And one of the things we're looking at doing is actually working with the per- people before employment and going, you know, what are the sort of things you like and don't like? I don't like working in particularly busy environments. I know who I am. Every one of us has our strengths and weaknesses. Things fill our cup very quickly. Some people are great with loud noise. Other people don't like loud noise. And actually getting a sense of what your strengths are before you go into employment as opposed to you're the next on the list, you've got this job. And I think that job matching something that organisations like Grow, um, who've, got, who've got a worker down here, are doing some really good work around. Well, another one that you had association with, I don't know whether you still do, but you probably refer or help, is the Cedar Schools. Yeah, the Cedar Schools are sports-specific schools. Yeah. Yeah, like those those sort of environments are great. Anything that will keep a young person in school as long as we possibly can. You know, it's about staying there. And it's funny, I was having a conversation with my sister on the way up today about my niece who's transitioning from moving across from psychology to vet. And our mum's not real happy that What's she's that? made to vet science. She wants oh, to be a vet. Oh, righto. And my mum's like, well, why don't you just stick at one course? Because back in mum's day, you did that. But she's got to a point where she's been through high school. She started psychology. She's done a couple of years and realised, actually, I want to be a vet. But it's about staying in something until you work out what you want to do. So, And for some kids, that means maybe not going straight to university having some time off and doing some work or some travel so you can come back and my our boys are right in the middle of that process and watching their ki- their friends make those decisions that edu- post-compulsory education, so past year 12, is not a linear process for most people. Most people are going to be looking at 15 different career changes. So actually becoming comfortable with that, yeah, I know, it's, well, it's but, challenging. But the reason why Lee said that, <laughs> I know, is because I sort of shrugged. I didn't have that many. No, you wouldn't. Well, I probably never found out that I whether I wanted to do whatever I wanted to do anyway because I was caught up in the innovative, innovative stuff of IT or EDP, yeah. electronic data processing. 
Well, the luxury of bat force it. is it's a different job every five minutes, so I sort of live it every day. But That's because you're dealing with so many people. Yeah, and uh, that, that works for me, but it doesn't work for everybody. Other people want structured employment. So if young people are looking at all of these different 8 to 15 career changes across a year, actually changing pathways during that formal education is actually a really good protective factor because they're starting to go, you know what, this doesn't work for me, but this is the bit I do like, so I'm going to go in this direction. And I think we need to spend a little bit more time working with parents about supporting children in those decisions because the biggest thing about being an adolescent is you don't know what you don't know. So sometimes you've got to try some stuff out rather than be told what you know. So... Did you also the education's got to be, you touched on it the education's got to be there and maybe tailored for them because you still need special schools do you think was there a special you, education you're, yeah you're always going to need special schools special development schools for people with disabilities you're absolutely going to need that you're always going to need schools where you've got more one on one support um, but you're also you know you need schools the majority of kids do find going through mainstream school. But you need those different targeted models. And if we look at Youth Plus as a model, which I love, which is the Edmund Rice Flexible Learning Model, which is completely trauma-informed, which can pick up those kids who've had their fair share of vulnerabilities thrown at them and actually really nurture and create a therapeutic web so they feel safe enough to start learning. No one can learn when they don't feel safe. So it's not about forcing kids into school. It's about creating an environment where young people feel safe. And one of the projects we're working on this year, the, the Couriered Connect project with Strong Brother, Strong Sister, has been... with Cormac Evans. With Cormac Evans, yeah, has been a classic example of these... A lot of the young people in that program, just their identification with culture, Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander culture, and getting to understand that and getting to understand what that means and why I, I, I learn the way I learn and why I feel the way I feel, then you can start to talk about education. But we can't be forcing everybody into one mould. You sure can't. I learned early in the piece because I, I think, as you're aware, Lee, I've had a fair association with some of our Aboriginal friends. Yep. That you ask them a question, you've got to be patient with an answer. Oh, it's like anyone. We all... It's you know, very patient. I talk about, you know, I talk in schools a lot about what a healthy relationship is and that's giving people time to talk, giving people time to think, giving people time to respond and giving people the chance to say no. That's a very important one. It's a really important one. And that no means no. Yeah. That's another whole aspect. We're going to have a little break here. We're going to put another one of your tracks on just so we can take take a breath and people out there can have a break as well because you've come up with a lot of good information. (laughs) Now, I'm going to pick out a track and this this one's called, well, what will I put on? Not Worth Hiding? Yeah, Alex and Astronaut. Is that that one? That's the one, Alex and the Astronaut. Yeah. I haven't heard any of these. She's tracks. a great young artist who we've got a lot of amazing young female artists coming through in our country, and it's always been a really big difference between how much airplay our male and female young artists get. And yeah, she she rocks. She's really good, and she does. Some, she's got great messaging in her songs. Oh, maybe I, I should have picked up an Emily Wallabara or someone like that. <laughs> no, but I won't. But see, we played those before. You're on 98.3 FM here in Colac and 88.7 FM along the coast on Community Connect on OCR FM. And we've got Lee Bartlett in here. I'm not going to go through that again a bit. What's your title? Uh, I just call Batforce Worker, just Bat- Batforce Manager. She's a Batforce Manager. too fancy. Bat manager for the Barwon District, which is, you know, encompasses here as well. And we're going to have a listen to one of her tracks and have a little bit of a breather. And you're with Greg, and Edwina's not here today, but we'll be back with you shortly. That's a fabulous track from a 
a young girl and uh, I think we'll ask my guest shortly what that was all about because it was a rather rather good tune and uh, it sounded as though she was coming out of something or other but anyway you're, you're talking with Ed without Edwina today you're talking with just Greg old habits die hard don't you community connect with uh, just Greg here today and uh, you're on OCRFM 98.3 and 88.7 FM along the coast and we are streaming live at all the W's OCRFM.org.au and this program will be podcast and our podcasts are something that are really picking up, not just mine, any of them on OCRFM, you can get onto the, the site there and have a look, there's some great stuff and while you're at it, you know, maybe you can think about subscribing as a a way of keeping us going because uh, we, it's all volunteer and whatever else, but anyway we've got the boss of Bat Force in here, Lee Bartlett, that was a great little track, and yeah. did it sound as though the girl was singing, and what was her name again? Alex and the Astronaut is the name. That's yeah. her name, Alex and the Astronaut. Yeah, I think she just sings quite proudly of what her journey is, and um, I think even when I was young I always loved songs that told a story, um, which was kind of weird, because I grew up in a time where there were big anthem songs, but... I spent a lot of time listening to... Big pub- anthem? What's an anthem song? Oh, you know, the great big anthem songs, your Bon Jovi type era. Oh, you're yeah. young. So you're yeah, young. I was, I'm only 50. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're I grew up, I, I was sort of caught up with the Beatles, but I preferred the Rolling Stones and the Animals and... Yeah, I've got a 19-year-old Cream. who loves Frank Sinatra. It's quite funny at home listening to his Frank Sinatra collection. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. Um, yeah, no, so Alex, I, I, I love the number of young female artists that are out at the moment um, and the, the stories that they're telling. I think they're brilliant and people need to probably think sometimes a little bit more broadly. And we've got a, a family Spotify account and we share it. And occasionally what you can do with Spotify is actually look at your data of how you use Spotify and your percentage of female versus male artists that you actually listen to, and I think people are quite shocked when they realise how 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 different it is. It's really important. So, one of the things we're seeing is bands like there's a fantastic band called Camp Cope, an all female band who are setting up little camp areas and and music programs to get young women into music, which is fantastic. It's a way to go. It should be more more equality. Now that's what you're doing with Bat Force too, isn't it? But I mean, that's another aspect. You now, the, the, Alex was Alex and the astronaut. I don't know. She was on her own with the guitar when yeah. I looked at it. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not sure what the Alex and the astronauts about. Oh, but coming out that you also deal with, and when you say deal with, you you're educating because you uh, people who are same sex attracted. Or, what, or part of the LGQ, the alphabet one. The LGBTIQ plus, yeah. LGBTIQ plus. That they, they in uh, in the normal, sorry, I shouldn't say normal, in the standard education system have been ostracised in the past as well. Are we seeing a shift there or do you do Bat Force look after some of those who are sort of gender querying and that as well? Look, I think there's been some really big moves in the last few years. We would certainly, I was involved in setting up GAS back in 19, probably 1995, 96 with the City Grand Geelong, which was one of the first um, LGB projects back then. We didn't have the big alphabet back then. It was slightly smaller. And um, a lot of those kids were out of school. A lot of those kids felt really unsafe and a little bit like what I said with our Aboriginal kids. We can't start yeah. to be educated until we feel safe. I think one of the uniquenesses we have for our LGBT our queer population is that it's a unique population in as much as we don't have elders 
in our own families. Like no, not very many queer young people come from families where their parents are queer, which is different when you look at, say, Aboriginal families, Jewish families, things like that. that yeah. it's, a, it's a uniqueness. So finding your role models for anyone who's who's from a smaller community is is difficult. So if we've got artists and things like that out there doing some great stuff, kids start to see a piece of string between them and aspiration. And I think our schools are doing much better. I know a lot of our preschools all the way through have got, you know, books in the library. The language has shifted. Um, families feel much safer going to school. I think there's still a lot of work to be done around the sporting fields. We're getting better but we've certainly still got a little bit more work to be do- to happening. But we're seeing a lot more kids be more confident around their sexuality at a school level rather than waiting until after they left school. I went to school before gay people. There were no gay people in my school. Yeah, well, there were none in Queensland. No, nah, there was none at all in my school, but within a couple of years after school, they were just, I don't know, must have been something in the water. Quite a few popped up, and we often get together and have a laugh about the fact that, you know, it's a different world now for young people. But... I think our job as a community is to make everybody feel safe, regardless you of that. You that you're gay. Oh, yeah. Had a, yeah. Oh, and dear, oh, dear me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. You've got to have, there's a podcast you need to listen to. Yeah. Because Bob Perry and Paulie Johnson were in here a few programs ago, and it was Bob Perry's suggestion. He uh, There's a book out called uh, The Devil's Advocate that's uh, written by Neil Drennan, who's got uh, cowlick shop yep. here and it's about Bob Perry and um, as a gay man coming out we had the program was about him as a gay man having to come out to his family uh, with his children so it was a reverse and it was Bob who suggested it and Paulie Johnson's a transgender beautiful man woman yeah well, I still get the gender problem but Paulie came in here as well and we had a talk and it was about the adult having to come out to the family to the children as well as to mums and dads if they were still alive and whatever else. Yeah, I um, had that but, uniqueness of having to come out to my nan on a regular basis because she had dementia, and it was like every single time I visited, I had to <laughs> come she out. She took it well each time. She forgot every single time. But she took it well each time. <laughs> yeah, she got better at it. <laughs> There's no reason why you shouldn't. But, you know, I, I think it's getting better, but you know, when when we still see the ratios of, of of young people taking their own lives and things like that. And we still that, see that 88% of the slurs that we're hearing in school are, are gay-related slurs, that we've still got a lot of work to do. But as parents, that's about the, the communities we create at home and the language we allow in our homes and the language we tolerate when we've got friends over and things like that. Um, so with Batforce, do you, you, you're working with the children, so what about how do we... How do we change the adult? How do we? Because I mean, you can you can talk to a boy at school, and you know, say you know you're not to be homophobic. But if dad is a basher, I won't use any term. Yeah. But if dad dad doesn't like gays or whatever else, it's still going to it's water for ducks back at school. Look, and it's interesting. I've had a number, and I've actually run some stuff in Colac too. But I, I've had a number of young people say, "I get this, but it's different at home." So I think there's a lot of kids who can delineate it and say that. I'm starting to understand this. My parents are going to take some time. Um, Do you give the tools to the young'uns to be able to go home and maybe use it at you, home? You to, can give the and... children the tools, but you've also got to make sure that it's a safe environment. I mean, there's times, there's a, for a lot of young people, it's just simply not safe to come out. And for a lot of adults, it's not safe to come out. We're starting to see an aged LGBTIQ plus um, 
community who who are going back into the closet to access um, nursing home care. So there's some real complications that have still got to go. But we had programs, and if you look at things like the Safe Schools program, um, was doing some amazing work, but it only takes one or two people to, to really bust some bad myths for those sort of things to come under fire. Um, but the healthy relationships works great too. So there's a lot of really positive work going on in the community to to get the best messages out. But the best thing we can do is just get the role models out. Mm. Yeah. How, how do you get your audience? You know, where do the children come from, the people come from? I often, if I speak in schools, the audience is always there. We always say speaking in schools is a bit like shooting fish in a barrel. They're already there, so that's yeah. an easy audience. doesn't mean they all want to be there, though, so you've still got to engage them, and I think that's something to be reminded of. The families, it just takes time getting parents and, and carers along to listen to messages as well. But it's got to be the messages that they want to hear too. We can't force information, and we should never force information. So it's just about offering it up. And when they're ready, they'll jump in and get it. So, yeah, sporting clubs find people where they're at. So who else are you associated with? If you were with sporting clubs, you'd be involved with leisure networks and places like that? We've done some work with leisure networks over the years. We have a, Occasionally we'll have a sports club that'll, that'll have a specific thing that they want some information around or a school will have a specific issue that they want some information around. We'll go out and we'll work with the school to make sure it, it fits their need. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of people doing really good work in that space. We're just one of the providers in, in Geelong and Colac. And so how many people are you actually, you're engaging in schools, you've got all that, well, as you say, the what a fishing, yeah. fishing, we already got them. Yep. But how many then do you actually deal with personally on a... We don't do any direct service provision as such. We fund through School Focus Youth Services, which is a Department of Education funded project, we fund targeted projects in schools. One of the things we did in Colac, for an example, last year is we ran transition programs for every single young person in Colac going from year six to year seven. Um, and for the smaller schools around BAC, Alvey, Forest, those schools, we ran a targeted full day transition project so those smaller groups could get to know each other before secondary school. Um, so we'll work with a lot of people to make sure that those young people have a really positive experience and get to have a talk about what their worries might be about going to secondary school, what they're excited about and skilling them up and having some conversations about what secondary school looks like. Um, and when we run those projects, we invite the parents in it, and parents and carers in of an evening and the teachers to have a chat about how they can support their children and the conversations to have. So you're dealing there with the um, prepubescent through that journey as well, aren't you? Yeah, I, I think I think so transition's an exciting time for young people at year six to year seven, you know. And most of our data says fifty percent of the kids are really excited, and the other fifty percent are really scared. So it's about coming at it from both angles and, and getting answering their questions because information's the most powerful powerful tool we can have. So you're saying six to seven? See, in my day, it was primary to secondary. Well, that is primary to secondary. I know it yeah. is, but and so that that was a six to seven is not. Going primary to secondary, I found it really daunting. Yeah, it was quite a jump. Yeah, a lot of lot of young people think it is, and a lot of parents do. And the other thing to remember too, and we're hearing this a lot, is parents tend to reflect back on what their own experiences of school were like. And if they were worried about it, if, their kids will pretty quickly pick up on that. So sometimes it's about dispelling myths with parents too about, you know, how, how can we better support you? We laughed at one stage. We surveyed. 
a year's worth of young people about what their biggest fears were going into secondary school. And the number two th- ranked thing was lockers. They're worried about losing their locker code or their locker key. And we thought we would never have thought of that. And that was a really easy one to have a conversation and, and bust that one <laughs> for them. So They don't have lockers anymore. You see the, see the school kids now, they've got whopping great packs on they still their back. Have, yeah, they still have lockers. They still have lockers. Yeah. It's I just a lot more expensive to lose your school bag these days than it was when we were kids, though. Because the iPads and the iPods and the iDis and iPads. Yeah, my son and his mate went for a run and threw their bags at the sports track where they were and somebody pinched them when they were in year 12. And I think we lost a, a computer, a scientific calculator, a set of glasses, year 12 summary books, which were devastating, um, and a mobile phone. So... Not a lot of change of two and a half thousand dollars if you lose your lock your school bag now. So it's oh, a different blimey. world to when I was a kid. Sure is more. Money, Mine I, would have been a, the loss of a squashed <laughs> banana in the bottom of my bag, which probably needed to go anyway. Probably. Well, mine was a slide rule, not a. Oh, yeah. oh dear, oh dear. <laughs> Things have changed. We're really dating me now, aren't we? Yeah. You're unbelievable. We're going to have another little break, lead Now I'm going to put on. Which one will I put on? I have got no idea. I've got one up here from, uh, is it Katie? Yeah, Katie Baker, great artist. Um, coming out of Northern Territory, really does some really good blues songs, things like that. Just beautiful artist, an amazing voice, if you get a chance to see her when she's down. Well, I haven't listened to this one, so, yeah. I think you'll like it. I hope I do. Yeah. And so that's, uh, you're, yeah. We've got uh, Lee Bartlett in here, and she's the, um, well, she manages Batforce for the Barwon area, which encompasses Colac, and it's no longer the Catforce, which I thought was rather funny, actually. But anyway, she's here with me here on Community Connect. And I didn't mention Edwina then, did I? No, you didn't. Edwina's so still good. not here for everybody who's listening. <laughs> She's still not here. And so I didn't didn't mention it by accident or by whatever. <laughs> where you're on Community Connect at 98.3 FM here in Colac and 88.7 FM along the coast. And it's moving along to 22 minutes to the hour when we'll come midday. We'll be going back onto autopilot. But yeah, we'll be back with you after this track chosen by my special guest, Lee Bartlett. Yeah, that's Katie Baker, and it's a track called Heavy on My Heart, chosen by the lovely lady in here with me today, Lee Bartlett, who was with Batforce. Well, she's the manager of Batforce for Barwon and Colac, the whole the whole shooting match. And you're on 98.3 here in Colac on OCR FM and 88.7 FM along the coast. And I just remind you that... Uh, yeah, it's a beautiful coast and it's a beautiful part, the Otways, and I did, as I mentioned at the beginning of the program, say about, you know, be prepared because of the fires and that that are going on up north. Um, yeah, it's horrifying stuff and we don't want the same thing happening here, so be prepared. And there's a lot of it in the, the news and I know that you, you can turn it off, but it's still, you know, we need to keep our eye on it because we need to be reminded of all this sort of stuff, but it can be a bit harrowing and uh, can create a, a bit of a problem. What do you think about that, Lee? It can, can't it? Oh, look, it can. Having it in your face. Yeah, it can. And, and we you know, we have media all around us all of the time now and, and probably a little bit different to when we were growing up is we can't control all the media our young people are seeing either because of mobile technologies. Um, and, it, and it's probably a little bit about just checking in with kids and seeing what young people especially are seeing. Being mindful of that, having a break from it at home, it's very important if you're in an area where you need to stay connected to the information that's important 
But if it's away from you, making sure that, especially young people having a break from seeing some of that trauma on TV. But it's also one of the, the times to remind young people, especially of all of the really good people that are doing great work to help out in those spaces, um, that it's not all just lack of hope, that the, there's some really quality services and there's some amazing people doing some really great work in those spaces. But, you know, having a chat amongst your family, what, what can we do at home? What can we do to make sure we're ready? Those sort of things. It's really good. But letting letting young people know that they can have conversations about that stuff if it causes worry is important. With your the mentoring you mentioned with um, with Cormac, yeah, the the mentoring that goes on there. Do the do the youngins feed more off each other now to look at all those positives that they get? Do you think that that's changed in the time you've been involved? Yeah, I, look, I think most young people when they're in groups do some really positive stuff. And, you know, we had an amazing, you know, Cormac sent me some photos yesterday. I always know he's proud when I get some photos really quickly of some year five, six um, Aboriginal young people who, and some of them came from some fair vulnerability in the backgrounds, who were running leadership stuff for the preps at their school and their sense of pride and what they were doing. And, and that's what we need to do is creating opportunities for young people to, to be leaders in their community in a way that suits them. Not all kids want to stand out the front of the school and read an assembly. But, yeah, there are plenty of different things young people can do to, to show leadership in their communities. And, um, yeah, if we look at Strong Brother, Strong Sister as an organisation and we're really only on early days doing some work in Colac at the secondary school with any of the young people and certainly if there are any families who, who want to connect their young Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander young people to the program, get in contact with Batforce. But giving those kids an opportunity to come together and, and be part of a bigger group is really important because, again, that's where you see role models and aspiration and things like that. How do you get in contact with Batforce? Uh, the Facebook page. Batforce have a Facebook page, which is, Facebook. which is probably a little bit more up-to-date than our website because uh, I just have not had the time or the money to, to deal with the website, as you'll know. Yeah, I know. Well, I got the Colic and District Youth Services Quick Reference Guide, which yeah. is dated 2015. Yeah, we did That's another one in 20... One. There was one done at the start of 2018, so there is a more modern one than that, which is out in the services. Your best bet, Colac Otway, you've got you've got your local government and you've got your health services. So if you get involved that way, or just contacting Batforce, our programs are sort of working, sort of on a regular, semi-regular basis down here. But you've got other agencies like um, Diversitat running Reconnect for students that um, need to be connected into some sort of training and you've got Bowen Child Youth and Family doing some work with young people and families down here as well. So the Youth Hub is good. Yeah. yeah, the Youth Hub's great and of course you've got the Gathering Place as well so there's a number of different things that are going really well in Colac. Is it time, yeah, was it time, I've got here time for youth. It's all, a lot of it is now encompassed by uh, yeah, Bowen, Bowen Child, Child Youth and, and Family. Have have taken over, they? Yeah, Bowen Youth, Time for Youth and Glastonbury all sit under the Bowen Child Youth and Family. Mm. Yeah, well, I suppose one of the things when we I was getting at to before is with peer group pressure, we always get that as a blame. You yeah, know, it's like social media. Everything's social media's fault. Yeah, and yeah. the peer group pressure is why Johnny um, stole the car or yeah. got drunk or whatever else. But do we hear enough about the peer group pressure that uh, is causing people to be so nice and be, be good guys and they get into choirs and they do all this other stuff? I don't think peer group pressure's really changed that much since Cocky was an egg. I think peer group pressure's always been around. We just didn't have the language for it. It's like bullying. Bullying was always there. We just didn't have the words for it. 
when we were growing up. Um, I think young people are a lot better at calling out bad behaviour now than they probably have been in the past, and it's probably because of some of the great work that's happening in schools around giving children the language for it. And I think, you know, if, if we look at the alcohol stats, for an example, that, that this generation's coming through, we've got the 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 best relationship with alcohol we've seen of any generation in the last 30 years. They're, drink, they're less likely to binge drink and less, less likely to drink at problem levels. We're not saying all young people, but in general... They, they're, they're, they're getting the health messages and we know they're getting the smoking messages. But, you know, they're still young people. Part of being an adolescent is making mistakes and taking risks. Yeah, sort of the old people will say, yeah, but what about all the drugs? Yeah, well, so probably the thing I want to say to the old people is, you know, the group that are most likely to drink high levels of alcohol are actually my generation. They're calling us the sandwich generation. We're between looking after our kids and then starting to look after our parents. We're actually the highest the consumers. Sand- the sandwich? The sandwich generation, yep. That's a new Just one, finished right? looking after kids and just starting to look after parents. Yeah, that they're the, the highest consumers of alcohol. So, yeah, there's lots of new terms. That's why you've got to move I've got to keep up with it, yeah. haven't I? Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, look, there, there's more, there's different drugs around, obviously, but, you know, I suppose it's just about harm minimisation messages and making talks part of your dinner table or I don't care where people sit to eat dinner, but it's just eating dinner together. And when you eat dinner together, it's just having one or two things you want to touch on. And, you know, the best way to have a conversation with young people about any topic is make them the experts about it. You know, don't talk about their use or what they're doing. Say, oh, got a friend at work and they said this was happening at their school what would you have what would you do if that happened at your school or this happened at a party what would you do you soon find out what your children know about those topics very quickly so yeah keeping information up to date and you can google anything now just make making sure you've got the right the the right fact sheets from the the peak bodies and things like that really important we've got to educate our our adults raising kids is exhausting (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but the, the thing is how do you and I, I'm probably one of the worst at it is how do I create a different life for what my son had from you know when I bug it up you know I can't change that can I no no that's why we say I, I talk to young people about risk consequence and regret and I always say where does regret happen does it happen at the start or at the end it happens at the end doesn't change anything, but it can inform what you do next. And I think that's the good focus, that if young people are making mistakes, that we don't define them for the rest of their life on that mistake, or we don't define a person for the rest of their life on that mistake, that we look at that and go, okay, well, what, what can we do differently now? Or how do we rebuild? Or how do we build something different? I think we get stuck on getting back to normal. But if anyone can tell me what normal is, I'll be really happy because I don't think there's any such thing as normal. There isn't. And after trauma in any family, it's about creating a new normal or a different normal because it's never going to be back to what it was. It's like relationships. My son said to to me the other day, he he had a friend who died and he said his friend had had a fight with his girlfriend and he said, oh, the thing is they don't teach you about healthy relationships at school is how to end them and how to repair them when they're broken. And he's right. And, you know, our kids, you know, how do, how do they know what to do when they split up with someone? How do they know when they've had a heartbreak? That That's, that's part of the process. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, having a chat to kids about and hearing what they're saying and hearing what their emotions are um, and 
I, having raised boys and and listening to to how they see the world, it's it's they're very emotional think. They're really emotional thinkers. So it's just creating that space. Well, see, the whole world is wrong in that regard of being able to. If you just take um, the suicide rate with veterans, that mm. there's no transition done properly from them to go from being a trained killer and in, in that in that sort of environment, or yeah. nowadays they're supposed you know the peacekeeper to then transition back into civilian life. Yeah. So there are so many... If you can't do that at, a, at an adult level, which is just... It's a systemic or... A, it's a problem for creating, the whole, whole of society. Yeah, creating new normals for that person that they're comfortable with, that they can find a space to sit with, is is a challenge because we're so, we we get challenged by that and we go, oh, well, everything will just go back the way it is. We, we have to have conversations. There's got to be exit strategies for that stuff. Mm. I worked with a... A group at Geelong English Language Centre the other day, we had a group of refugee kids doing a project in at our office and it was the best fun I've ever had. I don't think anyone... I think we had four shared languages, four shared words between about 40 of us and (laughs) we managed to sort of play charades throughout the day and this young fella had been a a barber in, in the refugee community he was in in the camps since he was eight years old and he loved cutting hair and he showed me photos of what he could do and he's incredibly talented. But he came here and he had to go to school and be a school kid and he wasn't old enough to have a job. So how do you go from being quite talented and what you're good at to that because that's the only system we have? And he's been really lucky that a, that a local barber's taken him on and, and he's, he's thriving. He's still at school, but he's doing that part-time as well. That you know, Everybody's made up of different bits and pieces and, and acknowledging that when we're creating our new normals is really important. Well, so another thing is we take advantage of our children. Look at what's been going on with underpaying them, oh, let alone we've got our other staff. Adults are being underpaid as well. And ah, yeah. We won't mention some of the organisations <laughs> that are under the scrutiny at the moment. But children have always been, well, uh, underpaid yep. and under undervalued. Yeah, and as parents it's and about... And overworked. Well, as parents it's about supporting our children to look up on the 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 websites when they're first employed, you know, what, when your children get part-time jobs, what are you supposed to be paid? And actually, you know, if they're in jobs where they say, oh, yeah, but we're getting cash and this, not accepting that and teaching our kids that actually that's not okay. I think there's that sense that, oh, well, a job's a job and, and that's it. And, you know, getting the kids to, to look at what they're entitled to so they can go in and giving them the language and getting them to practice those conversations is really important. We're going to have to start winding up because we've only got about six or seven minutes before we go on to our autopilot again. The phone number once again, we'll give that out and you know, whatever else you need to get into um, your head just for a moment. I'll give you about 30 seconds because I'm going to tell who's on next week. Right. So as you can think about what you haven't covered, Lee, because I know you'll come up with something at the back end of it. Next week we're going to have Lee, uh, Holly. We're going to have Lee. In. We're going to have Holly Kershavell. Do you know Holly Kershavell? Uh, I don't think She's so. with Colic Area Health, and you'd know about the sixteen days of activism. Yep. That comes up around about now. Well, Holly's going to be in here to have a bit of a yarn about that again. She's already been in for one. Okay. But we're going to crank that up because they've got a uh, an event over here that we're going to do an, an outside broadcast on over at the Excellent. Centenary Park on we, the fourth. We linked it to our social media page last yesterday. Good on you. So you should, because uh, that'll be on uh, the yeah on the fourth of December, I think it is. That we're going to be broadcasting live from over at the park here. But Holly, you'll be here to 
to uh, I'm not sure who she's bringing in but to uh, to tout a little bit about it and just to try and get people to get involved with the whole thing about it being uh, well not acceptable and uh, it's a gender specific one this year on males or sorry, on gender um, specific violence so um, yeah it's a hard one to deal with but we'll be doing it and we're going to have a variety of people coming in for a bit of a chat we're going to be going out with a track of yours on called Ticket in Tats and it's from wedding, Weddings, Parties and Anything. Yeah. Now, you told me earlier on that you grew up with them. I don't think you've really grown up, Lee. No, I, I suppose they were that pub band that I would go and watch every single time they were around. They've got links with Geelong. They've played at all the great pubs in Melbourne when I was at university. And, um, yeah, we, we grew up watching this band and, and have just completely... They're just a good, fun night out with your mates and... Um, all we right. all miss their Christmas shows. Well, you've had a good fun day in here, I reckon. You've yeah, taught me a couple of things. Me. Being a sandwich. <laughs> sandwich generation. Sandwich genera- generation. I hadn't heard that one before. <laughs> but you, we've been talking about the Barwon Adolescent Task Force, which is Bat Force. Yep. With Lee Bartlett, who's a manager, and we do a lot of good stuff here in Colac as well, she tells me. And you can get hold of them if you want to any more about this, or if you want to hear any more about this. The podcast will be up a bit later on in the day, I hope. And you can contact Batforce on 5221-4339. Yeah, we say phone numbers different, don't we? 5221-4339. And I'll... Say that again. 5221-4339. And I'll give you my email address to add to the podcast if if that helps. That'll be good. Yeah. So if people want to contact me directly, that's, that's more than okay. No worry. You don't want to give your phone number. No, no I actually email. don't know my mobile. I'm not okay, very good at I'll that. Give you, I'll, give you, <laughs> I'll put your, your uh, email up. Put your email. It's Lee, L-E-I-G-H, at Batforce, B-A-T-F-O-R-C-E dot org dot A-U. All right, Lee at Batforce dot org dot A-U, and I'll put that down. And uh, I have got it there somewhere other because I did email you. You did. And talking about Facebook, you're on Facebook as well. Yes, we and are. I've, I did a like of you, whatever you call it, on Facebook, and you haven't acknowledged oh, that me would be as a me. friend. Yeah, I'm hopeless. So if at you'd that. like to acknowledge me as a friend, I'll tag <laughs> you on the podcast, and you'll be able to broadcast the podcast to all your friends. All right, thanks all for right. that. So yeah, you've been with Greg this week. Next week we'll be back, as I said, with Holly Kershavell, and you've been on 98.3 FM here in Colac and 88.7 FM along the coast on Community Connect, and we're going to go out with this track by Weddings parties and anything I'll talk to you again next week cheers thanks for listening to this ocrfm podcast head to ocrfm.org.au to find more great content and information about how to donate and support this community radio station